guys, welcome to the podcast, No But Really. This week I sat down with my friend Katie Davenport where we discuss how to make a baby. So Katie is an RN at Hogue Hospital. She works on the maternity floor and she has been an RN for about seven years now. She's currently getting her master's in nursing education and also worked, um, has worked for several years as a clinical instructor for nursing students at Biola University. Um, so Katie and I talk about how uninformed women are about their cycles, which can lead to misinformation about our periods and ovulating. Hope you guys enjoy our candid conversation about women's bodies, babies, and more. So yeah, I brought Katie on today because something that I've noticed now that I'm 27 and all my friends are like in their 30s, um, that people like can't get pregnant, which Katie's kind of an expert in this field because she works with babies and she actually has her own personal story of getting pregnant and all these things. So I wanted Katie to come on and talk about not only her personal experience, but also kind of like educating women on um, how to get pregnant, how to have a baby, because I kind of just thought you have sex and then you have a baby, but apparently that's not the case. Um, So I will let Katie kind of introduce herself and talk a little bit. Sounds good. Well, first of all, I'm not an expert, but <laughs> more expert I than I am. Someday. I just have like a interest in it since it's impacted my life the last year or so. And I also, even though I'm a nurse and like had the background education in anatomy, physiology, all that stuff, um, I had like that same thought process you did of like, oh no, the first time you have sex, you're going to get pregnant. <laughs> yeah. No matter what you do. So, <laughs> and so even though I knew that was not true, I still had that like, in the back of my mind is like, that's still what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so when we wanted to get pregnant and it didn't happen right away, it was a little frustrating at first and yeah. then became like kind of sad or scary, like just like not knowing like what, is there a problem? That kind of thing. So right. that is what led to my interest in it. And I have learned a lot the last year, um, which has led to actually two pregnancies. So I did have a miscarriage, which we can talk about later, mm-hmm. but um the way I learned about the pregnancy, or the way I learned about getting pregnant was through the fertility awareness method, Mm. which is not something I'd heard about before. I'd heard about like things you can do to make it easier to get pregnant, but I didn't know there was actually a title for it. Mm. And I was also finding there was a lot of like conflicting information and just wrong information, and I just was confused. And so I decided to limit like what I was learning to people who are certified in the fertility Mm. awareness method, because I was even finding like what my doctor would tell me would be like, I don't think that's right. Wow. So even like your own doctor wasn't really Yeah. I just felt like people weren't really like invested in like caring about it. And so they would um, be like, oh, just keep trying or just Mm. time sex for when you ovulate and it'll work out. Mm. Like, or you just haven't been trying long enough for it to be a problem. So I just didn't really feel like anyone cared Mm. of like my doctors or whoever health professionals you would talk to about it. And so since the information on the internet was confusing or seemed like it was like wrong from what I knew yeah um I learned from like fertility education experts mm. like people who like actually did their research and right. had like more of an investment in teaching people about it and so and I love teaching people too that's mm. kind of what I'm getting my master's in is in teaching mm. and so I love talking about it <laughs> so let me back up why do you feel like because this should be like taught in school for women yeah. right like why do you think that this isn't kind of an easy education of like women should know their bodies women because it's about knowing your body like this isn't just like oh trying to get pregnant like why do you think we're not educated on like our bodies and how our bodies work yeah um I think it's like for fear first of all like because um 
like sex education happens in like what like middle sixth school, grade yeah <laughs> and like of course people like don't want their teenagers getting pregnant mm-hmm. so it's more of like just scare them into thinking like this mm-hmm. is the way it happens mm-hmm. and so I mean I think that works yeah Most, for a lot of people like yeah. I don't want to get pregnant at all there's no desire to have a baby that's right that's kind of why I waited like yeah. <laughs> so I waited till marriage have sex but I I mean I'm a Christian and there's like a little bit of the moral purpose but honestly I was so yeah. terrified of getting pregnant yeah that that was like more my fear than like the Christian aspect of yeah. it like anytime I had the opportunity to have sex I was like do I want to have a baby with this guy no no I don't get yeah. out of here <laughs> it works it really does yeah and so and then once they find like that is what's working for teenagers or young adults you don't want to have baby to not get pregnant there's really no one else left to teach you about it because that was high school and then the high school's over and right then you grow up and it's like there's no one else teaching you about it right yeah and the other reason too is I think like um like hormonal birth control is so common mm. like which it does its job right and so it's so easily prescribed and if you want birth control you just go to your doctor you don't have to explain yourself just right like, hey, I want birth control and they'll give it to you yeah and so whether it's for like you don't want to get pregnant or it's for acne or Mm -hmm. helping like control your periods things like that Mm -hmm. it's just so easily available right and so that keeps people from actually learning about their own bodies Mm -hmm. because it puts it into like a controlled environment Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. years like people could be on it for years before they even want to have a baby Mm -hmm. and that whole time their cycle was under this the control of the hormones and so they don't ever learn it themselves like their own personal cycle so when they get off so like let's say they've been on so I had PCOS, so I was mm-hmm. on birth control. Um, so let's say it's like, okay, I'm on birth control for five years because of PCOS. Mm-hmm. Then I get married and I'm going to get off birth control because we want a baby. But like, doesn't it take a couple years before the birth control is kind of out of your system? For like, how does that people, work? Yeah, I think for some people it can happen kind of quickly. Like, um, it just depends on maybe like the levels they were on or what they were taking it for. Mm. Um, as far as I know, I think it can like bounce back pretty quickly okay. or it could take a little while. Just okay. everyone's different. Okay. Like in how, if there was already a problem before, then it might take longer because there's still going to be that problem because oh, okay. it just kind of covers up the problem that you were taking it for. If right. it was for like painful periods or for acne, things like that, it just kind of masks the problem. That problem can come right back as soon as you're off the con- the birth control. Okay. So just because you're on birth control doesn't mean you're not going to get pregnant either though, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to take it like just like as perfectly. So, okay. One thing I was going to say about the fertility awareness method is yeah. that it can also be used for birth control, but people will say like, I don't want to use that because what if it like, I don't do it perfectly and I mess up. Right. The same thing with taking birth control. You have to take it perfectly for it to mm. be more of a guarantee somewhat that you're not going to get pregnant. So it's the same thing. When you say take it fertility. perfectly, do you mean like same time every day? Yeah. Okay. And not miss a day. Always have it like ready to be re-prescribed to you. Okay things like that okay. so it's kind of like the, about the same amount of effort as it would be to keep track of your cycle through the fertility awareness method okay at least from my perspective yeah so what are the benefits so I know that you're going to kind of break down like the whole thing mm-hmm. what are the benefits of women because like I'm not trying to get pregnant mm-hmm. but I think it's still important for me to like know about my body and my cycle yeah. and things like that so what are the benefits of just like knowing this information for even people who aren't trying to get pregnant um one I would say it's just like really helpful to know like how healthy your body is and your cycle can really tell you things about your mm. body that people just kind of ignore the symptoms. Yeah. And so it gives you more of like an awareness of what's going on in your body and it gives you time to um, fix those problems. Mm-hmm. It could 
be something like PCOS or something like that that might take a while to address. Mm -hmm. And so um, if you're spending time, like even if you have no interest in getting pregnant, if you're spending time getting to know what your body's doing Mm -hmm. ahead of time, by the time you're ready to get pregnant or if you are, then you've already done all that work and research Mm -hmm. and hopefully be something that would benefit you in trying to get pregnant. Yeah. But it could also be a way to use as birth control too, like just do it the opposite. And, um, use it like as a method to not get pregnant Mm. and in that you're still learning about your body and still having like that like connection to yourself that you like would otherwise be ignoring if you're on hormonal birth control or using some other method of birth control okay okay yeah that makes sense yeah okay what are some books and resources that you can provide people kind of outside of just this podcast because I know that you do a lot of research on this like where where are you getting like some of your resources from what can people use yeah, so I started with podcasts. So um, since I would like love going on walks, or if I was driving a lot for work last year, I needed like something to listen to so I wouldn't go crazy. And so <laughs> I found this podcast called the Fertility Friday Podcast, mm. and um, she she's written a book which I haven't read myself, but it's called The Fifth Vital Sign, mm. and she has like years of podcasts recorded about this method mm. and just like um, really like um, good guests that give a lot of research mm. and like information from their perspectives. And so I learned so much from that. Oh, wow. And then the book that I read, which I think everyone should read, whether they're like any woman should read is called taking charge of your fertility. Hmm. And it just is like kind of the same thing of like, how would you get to know what your body is doing and, and like learn personally what your body is doing? Yeah. Not just like in general, you hear other people's bodies doing. Right. I feel like this is so empowering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because then if you like, if you think your body's like a little bit different, like say like your period isn't like as exact as some people, like everyone, some people can say they can like predict their period to right. the day and they know exactly when they're going to start. And if you don't feel like you're that kind of person, it's like, there's something wrong with me. Right. So like learning about it can realize, can help you realize that there's not something wrong or it can help you realize that there is something wrong. Like, yeah. And so it can just like help identify some of the variations that are normal or maybe areas that you might need to do some interventions. Yeah. Cause I feel like, I feel like <laughs> this is going to be kind of embarrassing. Like a little, I feel like a little kid where I'm like, oh, I don't know when I'm going to just like bleed my pants, yeah. you know? So yeah. I'm like going to work today, like checking the couch because it's yeah. supposed to happen somewhere somewhere yeah. around this week. So I'm like, oh shoot, did I start now? Like I was at mm-hmm. a like networking event and I'm like sitting on this, you know, nice couch and I'm like, I think I just started my period. Like how embarrassing I'm like 27 years old and I, it yeah. feels as if I oh, peed yeah. my pants, you know, yeah. I go to the bathroom, like there it is. And yep. then I have to leave because it went through my jeans. Like this is so embarrassing. Yeah. Like I should know when yeah. this is going to start to happen. I so have I don't have experiences. Yeah. A lot of girls do yeah. like, they're like, Oh shoot, I just started. Do you have a tampon? You know, like yeah. we're so like, like most of us are not every single month. Exactly. And yeah. I have that flower app. Um, I forget yeah. what it's called, but I mean, that's not, yeah, that's not helpful. <laughs> Yeah, I'll get into that app okay. later too. That's something like I really like like to talk about too. Okay, it's not as helpful as people think. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, one other thing I also wanted to say is that since this is my experience with what like helped me get pregnant, mm-hmm. I know that I have like a happy ending and that I'm 17 weeks pregnant right now, Yay. and I'm really happy about it. And this yeah. is what we were wanting, but it and it did take us about a year to get to this point, mm. which in the long run, like I totally understand that that is not a very long time for some people. Like some people struggle much longer Mm. with infertility or other issues that makes them take a long time to be a mother and something that they've been wanting. And so I just want to be sensitive to that too. I know like my story doesn't mean that like 
I don't know. It doesn't mean that. Um, sorry for what I was trying to say. Like just because you do this method doesn't mean you're gonna get yeah pregnant necessarily. Yeah, or, or also that. Um, I'm not trying to say that like a year is a super long time mm. that I was struggling for, but it is my personal story. And yeah. so it like, I do, um, feel like I can recognize some of those feelings that it brings up for people who are struggling. Right. Yeah. So, that's a good disclaimer. Yeah. All right. So if you picture a clock, okay, which is what I have here for you to look at. Got it. Thank you. So, <laughs> um, the reason I would use a clock instead of like time frame, like certain amount of days in mm. the month, whatever, because um, a lot of the myths about the cycle is that it should be a 20 day cycle. And mm. then on day 14, you ovulate and then your period starts to start again at 28 days. Mm. And that's just like not the case for most people. Really? No, it's not. Like, I mean, wow. that's like a nice, easy, like way to wrap it up. And so right. I think that's why like we're taught that way, but there can be variations and it's still a totally normal cycle. Mm. Um, so like for me, I would say my period's more like 32 to like 40 days. And okay. It like varies every single month. Yeah. And so if you were to tell me I was going to ovulate on day 14, which is part of the reason that it like took us a while to get pregnant because it took me a while to figure that out that I don't mm. ovulate on day 14. Oh wow. That's what I was expecting every single month. So a lot of women who are doing it that way, who are trying to get pregnant are having sex on the wrong day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is so, taking a long time to get pregnant and then yeah. they think something's wrong with them. Yeah. And it's just simply mis- Oh my gosh, yeah. misinformation. So okay. learning about the cycle, like the goal is for whether you're using it for birth control or just to get to know your body or whatever, or for getting pregnant, it's just knowing when you're fertile. And so it's called your mm. fertile window. Okay. And so if you're <laughs> mistiming that, that is what is leading to you not getting pregnant for most people. Okay. Because most people are not, um, like if you look at like percentages, most people are not going to need fertility treatments or be mm. like, I guess, labeled as infertile or need extra help in that way so so when people okay so for example let's say there's a couple been trying you and mark right like Mm -hmm. trying to get pregnant for a year Mm -hmm. and it's simply they're just missing that fertility window Mm -hmm. right so when you go to your doctor you kind of mentioned earlier like your doctor's not really giving you the right information Mm -hmm. so does the doctor kind of say oh I guess something's wrong with you or does he explain is that the time where maybe he's explaining the fertility window like what happens for those people in that moment of because at that point, it's assumed, oh, something's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. They go get blood work done. They go do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, nothing's wrong with you. Yeah. What's the conversation like at the doctors in that situation? Yeah. So for me, it was make sure you're saving sex for ovulation, which is actually not true at all. Wow. Like, okay. don't have sex until you're ovulating. Like, you're you're using it all, all up before you ovulate. Oh, like the sperm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is oh. not true. So that's what the doctor told me. Because I had kind of explained to her like the method that we were doing. Yeah. And she said, don't do it that way. Save it for ovulation. And that's when I was like, I don't think that's true. As if he's going to like run out of them. Yeah. Like the yeah. little guys are going to go away. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in our case, that was not true. And that's not what we should have been doing. Right. Or um, doctors might recommend using like the, if you're having trouble, like figuring out when you're ovulating, using the ovulation predictor kits, which oh, it's like kind of like a him? pregnancy t- test where you pee on it okay. and it tells you when you're ovulating or like about to be ovulating okay and so a lot of doctors will tell people to do that to like make sure that they're ovulating which is also not true it can be helpful and I can get into that later too of like okay. what the I guess there's a couple benefits to it but like what the problems are with it okay but it's not helpful because it actually doesn't confirm that you ovulated it only tells you that it's going to happen oh and so yeah that's okay. I think what doctors 
from what I've heard from from like other friends and other people who have gone to doctors for that and yeah. they say nothing's wrong, just like keep trying, that's some like recommendations they would give. Okay. Which are kind of misleading. Not helpful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay, back so to the back clock. Back to the cycle. So Anyways, we're not going to say which day you're going to be starting your period or what day you're going to ovulate, but if you picture a clock mm-hmm. um, at 12 o'clock is your period. So that's okay. day one. I guess that's the one time I'll say it. Okay. <laughs> we're not going to say days, but that's day one. <laughs> day one, because that's going to be true for everyone. Day okay. one of your cycle is when you start your period. However long it is, if it's like two days, five days, 10 days, whatever, that's happening at 12 o'clock. Okay. Um, and then the next phase of the cycle it's all hormonal so it's all driven by like estrogen progesterone mm-hmm. and other hormones that cause you to go through the cycle okay and so the next phase is the follicular follicular phase okay where estrogen is rising so it's kind of preparing your body to ovulate okay and then at six o'clock is when you ovulate how do you know you're in that phase like well um, is okay. that when your boobs get sensitive okay yeah so there's <laughs> some um Symptoms, which I won't like go into too much detail about some of these symptoms because I don't want people to get grossed out. But no, I'll let's go. Them. Okay, Eric can. Eric's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> this okay. clearly isn't a male podcast, so okay. Okay, if you are, you can fast forward like yeah. a minute or so, and you don't want to hear this. Or if any girls don't want to hear it, you can fast forward. Anyway, so your body produces cervical mucus, which is like discharge, where it looks like you sneeze in your underwear. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So that happens um, due to the estrogen rising in your body. Okay. It's preparing for ovulation. It's preparing like an environment for the egg to be released and fertilized. Oh, okay. And so a moist environment is better okay. for... For little eggies? The egg. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So as you're starting to see the cervical mucus, that's your estrogen rising and it gets to like peak fertility when you are producing um, cervical mucus that has more of the consistency of an egg white. Okay. So if you just crack an egg and it's an egg white that's the consistency you're looking for okay that's all that's what we'll say okay that was pretty graphic (laughs) (laughs) okay I won't go into more of that but when you see that that is the beginning of your fertile window okay and so every month is gonna be different of when you ovulate and so since you don't know when exactly it's gonna be happening you need to look out for that symptom okay to know when you can start trying so when you see that that's when you start that's when you could start okay yeah or, um, like, start preventing if you're not wanting to get pregnant. Okay. Just do the opposite. Okay. Use condom or abstinence, whatever. Okay. And so, um, if you are trying to get pregnant, that'd be a good time to start trying because that's the beginning of your fertile window. Okay. And so, sperm can live inside of the woman for about five days. So, if you're going to ovulate in the next five days, that attempt of trying was still helpful. Okay. If it goes more than five days that's fine. You can just keep trying until you ovulate. Okay. Because those initial sperm will die off and then you'll be putting new sperm in. Okay. Okay. So um, that's the beginning of the fertile window. And then um, right before you ovulate, there's another spike in the hormone called the LH hormone or the luteinizing hormone. And that's when you might be starting to get more of the symptoms of like, you feel like your boobs are sore mm. or I get like kind of crampy from the side that I'm going to ovulate from kind of like little twinges. Yeah. Like in like the ovary. Yeah. 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 And, um, Sometimes if you start like keeping track of those symptoms, you might recognize like every time this month, I always get like a headache at this time. Mm. Or I mean, technically some people are more like interested in having sex at that time. So you're hornier at that time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'll say it in layman's terms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's all leading up to ovulation. So those are some of the symptoms. Um, so if you're looking for it and like can keep track of it month to month, you might realize um, that like that's a pattern that your body has. Okay. 
Um, and then, so picture like the clock again at six o'clock is when you would ovulate and that's when the egg is released. And so if the sperm is in there and going to fertilize, then the egg will possibly implant and lead to a pregnancy. If there's no sperm or it didn't fertilize, you would go through this next phase where it's, um, the luteal phase from six o'clock to 12 o'clock. Okay, I need my picture. Okay. So right from here to here Okay, is when you would be waiting for your period or waiting to see if you're pregnant or not. Okay, so I know we weren't going to say days, but I kind of need days. Okay. So from phase three, the f- follicu- follicular uh-huh. f- phase where you have the um, egg white, uh-huh. from that day to ovulation uh-huh. or that time uh-huh. from ovulation, is this all happening in one day is my question. Okay, like, so what's you the- ovulate in a day most likely, like okay. 12 to 24 hours. Okay. Um, the... Right before you ovulate is where the LH hormone is released. That's about a day or so. Okay. And then the estrogen could be like several days. Okay. It could be like six days. It could be two days. Okay. So that's why you kind of have to pay attention to what your body is doing. Okay. To know like when you're going to be ovulating. Okay. So if you only have like that egg white for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, and it goes away, then you probably ovulated once that went away. Okay. But you might have it for like a week. So then the phase in between ovulation and, what's that word? Luteal? Oh, the luteal phase. Luteal yeah. phase. What were the symptoms in between that again? So this is, after you ovulate, Uh huh. there's no chance for you to get pregnant anymore. Okay. But are because, you so horny? Um, I, I probably, it depends. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So after you ovulate, the egg's already been released and things kind of shut down. Okay. Closed for business. Yeah, exactly. So then the hormones change to progesterone. Okay. Oh, okay. So the progesterone is then what shuts down the estrogen because like they work in opposition to each other. So when you have progesterone being produced, the estrogen is super low. That's why the mucus goes away and there's no chance to get pregnant because things have already closed up. Okay, so got it. this is technically like if you're using it for birth control from six o'clock to that's twelve the o'clock. Time to get that's it on. the safest time to have like unprotected sex. So are you okay? Sorry. So as far as the actual period, like blood time, mm-hmm. what phase is that? This is just your period. Oh, so a- so wait, I'm confused. Okay, so after your period, mm-hmm. these symptoms are happening, mm-hmm. and then you hit. Oh, okay, I got it. See, I need visual. Okay, okay. got it, got it. Yeah, so <laughs> after you've ovulated and there's no chance to get pregnant, this is when the progesterone is rising from like anywhere from like six o'clock up until when you have your period. Okay. If you're pregnant, then it'll keep going up and up and up, the progesterone. Oh. And then you'll find out you're pregnant around the time that you would have started your period. Okay. If you're not, then like the egg and the uterus lining just sheds and that's your period. Got it. So that's wow. just the cycle. That's cool. Okay. Okay. So things that um, can throw it off, of course, are like, because it's not going to be perfect every single month. Um, so like if you have lots of stress mm. that month or just like in general, you're all of a sudden like building up to having lots of stress in your life, mm-hmm. um, like lack of sleep or like changes in like your sleep habits, mm. traveling, like if you change time zones or you're just like tired from traveling that can throw it off Mm. like if you're sick um if you have something like PCOS that Mm. would throw it off um like even just changes in your like daily 
lifestyle. Mm. If you're exercising a lot more than you used to, or you stopped exercising than you used to exercise a lot, that can all throw it off. Mm. Changes in diet, anything like that can throw it off. Mm. And so that's why um, the period apps that you have on your phone are not very or not really helpful at all because they don't know about your stress or yeah exactly what it does is it takes all the averages from the other times that you've told the app that you started your period Mm -hmm. and just like averages that to when Mm. they're going to predict you're going to start your period this month but which is fine like maybe you only are off by a day or two which is like somewhat helpful but for when you ovulate it's going to be so different every single month Mm. and if you're really trying to like use this as your method of birth control or getting pregnant like you really do need to know when you ovulated that's like the key to the fertility awareness okay is knowing and confirming the ovulation happened and the app does not know that it tells you that it's predicting it for you uh, like it'll say like this is when you're fertile but it's like that means know. nothing yeah so okay. for some people um i think it's about like 25 to 30 percent from what i've read of women have just like the basic 28 day cycle. Okay. And so for them that That's not very high. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even them like they could have their cycle thrown off right. by stress or sickness or travel or something like that. Oh, wow. So if they had a perfect cycle and nothing was thrown it off that month, then their app might actually be predicting it for them. Mm. But that's not very often or right. very many people. And there's so many things that still could throw it off. Yeah. So it isn't like a very accurate way for them to know whether or not they're ovulating. Interesting. Yeah, because I was like 15 days late for my period yeah. one month. And I thought, oh, shoot, I'm pregnant, which yeah. is not what we're trying right now. And um, but I wasn't. I started my period yeah. like 20 days later. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what happened that month. But yeah. <laughs> okay, that's totally happened to me too. And so one thing that I really like about knowing about your cycle when you ovulated is because um, from the time you ovulated to the time you start your period, that number stays pretty consistent for you. Mm-hmm. So if it, for like for me, if it was normally 15 days, then the next month, no matter what threw off my first part of my cycle, mm-hmm. the second part of the cycle is most likely going to be consistent. Oh. So if I know when I ovulated, then I can pretty much know in 15 days, I'm going to either be starting my period or be finding out that I'm pregnant. Ooh, okay. But it was like the time before ovulation that gets thrown off by any of those other factors. Okay. Like the stress or sleep or travel or exercise. Yeah. And so knowing when you mm. ovulated from there, you can know when you're going to start your period. Uh, okay. Okay. And that's like what I like about that portion of the cycle because then you can. Like, Not have an oopsies in your yeah, pants? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And you were saying, you're probably going to talk about this, but taking your temperature. Yeah. Okay. okay. So that's like one of the things I really um, found helpful with this method is like the cervical mucus is kind of like, eh, I don't really like, <laughs> like having to pay attention to that. Yeah. But it was helpful, I guess. But the best part was taking my temperature every single morning. So from the time I started the period, like at 12 o'clock, the first day of the cycle, uh-huh. I would start taking my period or start taking my temperature. <laughs> start taking my period. <laughs> start taking my temperature. And you take it. Um, there's a couple of rules to it. So you have to take it first thing in the morning, like before you say anything, or before you get up out of bed, you just put the thermometer in your mouth and then write down the temperature or record in your app. And so that way, you know, like you don't have to remember it. You can just have it written somewhere because yeah. it's like you're going to be tired and stuff. Right. So you keep track of that. 
and then as you um, are getting closer to when you ovulate, it's still gonna be the same. So it doesn't help you predict when it's going to happen. Mm. It just helps you know for sure that you did ovulate. Because some of these other oh. symptoms can be kind of like, I think there's like whatever, the mucus, or like I think I'm kind of feeling like I'm gonna ovulate. So we're gonna try anyway. Yeah. But then until you know you actually ovulated, that's when you can like stop trying. So wait, okay, so you know, like the temperature will tell you that you have already ovulated. Yes, because you get a baseline the first half of your cycle for what your temperature is. It's gonna be like, for me, it was like 97.2, 97, 97.3. It kind of varies a little yeah. bit, but then after you ovulate it, it goes up about a half a degree or more. Oh, okay. And so then if you're graphing it, you can see the significance in like oh, it the spike spiking up. And if it stays up the next three days, you want three in a row that are high, mm. then you know you ovulated because that's the portion of your cycle where the progesterone is released and it causes your body to like, your metabolism to pick up and so your body temperature goes up. So would you have sex that day? The day that you, you your temperature goes up? Yeah. It's already too late. Okay, so then how do you know when to have sex? Well, that's the fertile window. Like when you start seeing the oh, mucus. Shit. So there's yeah. not, oh. Yeah. So there's not, your temperature's not going to tell you today's the day to have sex. Right. It's going to tell you, late. you should have had sex three days ago. Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. So you guys so, know. Okay. Yeah, it's not a predictor. That's another myth about this. It's thinking like, oh, my temperature went up. It's time mm. to try. And that's like totally a myth. That's wow. just, okay. it's already over. But for okay. me, that was really helpful <laughs> because I knew we could stop trying for that time. Because sometimes I'm like, okay, it's been like a lot of days yeah. of trying. <laughs> We've had sex a lot. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm, like, this is great and all, but like, it'd be nice to take a break. Yeah. So that lets you know you can take a break. Okay. And it confirms that you ovulated. So it's like, yay, like things are. Like at some point. Yeah. Yeah. In that week I had sex. So hopefully. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, the other way to know too is like what we mentioned earlier the ovulation predictor kits oh yeah 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 the p-sticks that it's going to happen like theoretically so that is um something that like you pee on the stick and it tells you when you have a spike in the lh hormone which is happening right before after six right before six o'clock. oh right before six okay. yes so right before you ovulate there's supposed to be that spike in the hormone so okay. if you catch it just right and you pee on the stick at the right time like the day before the day two days before so you might see that it's like a positive yeah it's kind of like a pregnancy test where it has like the two lines right or there's some that have like a little happy happy face on it oh, that's cute so if you see the happy <laughs> face like okay this is I'm about to ovulate, this would be a good time to try. The only problem with that, or a couple problems with that, so if you wait until you see that happy face or that solid second line, yeah. then if that's all you're waiting for, you would have already missed the days before when oh. your estrogen was rising. So you've already missed the beginning of your fertile window. Oh, so okay. it may only leave you with one or two attempts of trying. Yeah. And so, which could work for some people, um, but you have missed some of those fertile days already. Mm. And then also it doesn't confirm that ovulation happened. It just says it's going to happen. And so oh, for okay. me personally, what my body likes to do, which is <laughs> makes it confusing, is it feels like I'm going to ovulate. Like I see all those symptoms. And if I were to take one of those tests, it'd be positive. But then my temperature would literally not go up for like three or four more days. Oh. And so if I just relied on that temp or on the stick, it would tell me like, okay, we, I'm going to ovulate. We tried and then we're done. Yeah. And then we would miss all the days up until when it actually ovulated. So you would have missed like three or four days yeah. of trying. Yeah. Oh, okay. Or even more. Like one time it was like 
10 days later. <gasps> like my body was trying to ovulate and it didn't. And so then like if I would have kept taking the test, it probably still would have been positive. But I assume that like you just get positive for one day and then yeah. you're going to ovulate in a day. And so like there was oh, probably wow. a few months that we were trying and then that's what happened. Like wasted months. Yeah. Of you feeling like something's wrong with you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. And then what happened with this pregnancy, like where I'm currently pregnant, um, I ovulated like 10 days late. And so I would have like, based on like my history, thought I would have ovulated on maybe the 16th or 17th day of my cycle, just kind of like anticipating it coming. Mm -hmm. So by then we'd already been trying for like many days. Right. Like knowing the ovulation is going to happen. Right. And then on the 16th or 17th day, I was like, okay, my temperature is probably going to go up tomorrow since that's my pattern. Yeah. And it didn't. And mm. I woke up the next morning and was like, my thermometer is broken. This is so <laughs> stupid. And I got on Amazon and was like Googling, like, do these thermometers break? Do they need more batteries? It's oh, just like wow. a little cheap thermometer. So yeah. like, do I need a more expensive one? Yeah. Because I was convinced that my temperature should have gone up. Mm. And then I just kept taking my temperature and then like, like eight or nine, ten days later is when it actually went up. Oh wow! So that told me though, like we need to keep trying. Oh gosh, so you had to keep having sex. Yes, and oh, then wow. it worked. So we got pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> but another way that really helped me too with this pregnancy, and also it ended up being helpful with my um, miscarriage pregnancy too, is that since I knew when I ovulated, I knew like how like how old the baby was mm. and so because I had ovulated 10 days late for the pregnancy this mm -hmm. one they base it off of your period so like when you call your doctor and they're like trying to figure out when you're going to come in for an ultrasound they ask you when is the last day of your or the first day of your last period and mine was like a month and a half before then when normally it'd only be like a oh, month before then okay um and she was like oh so you're already this far along and to me I, I know I'm not that far along because it's like the ovulation didn't happen until oh, 10 days later. So there okay. was no baby until like 10 <gasps> days later than what they thought. Yeah. So that helped me because when we went to the ultrasound, they were expecting an eight week old baby, but it was only a six and a half week oh, old baby. Oh, wow. Okay. And so instead of like thinking something's wrong or the yeah. baby's not growing, like I knew exactly how far along I should be to the day. I was like, wow. I, this is what you'll see. If the baby's like growing how it should be, you'll see a six and a half week old baby, not an eight week old baby. So if you didn't know that and you went in yeah. and they said, oh, your baby should be developing yeah. whatever you develop at yeah. eight weeks and it's not right they would, would have maybe scared. scared you yeah yeah because at that point like every day's counts like the baby should be developing more and more and more they yeah. grow so fast at that point even that oh early on and it helped me with my miscarriage too because when I went in I knew exactly when I was ovulating we did the same thing with the temperature mm. and when I went in the baby was it was opposite. I knew we were supposed to be eight weeks and the baby was six and a half weeks. Oh. And they were trying to tell me like, maybe you ovulated late, like everything looks fine. It all looks good for where like you'd probably just ovulate later than you realized. And I knew that was not true. Mm. So they were trying to reassure me when I knew like actually something's wrong. Like oh, I'm wow. like a week and a half off of where I should be. And you're trying to tell me that's okay, but I know yeah. that's not okay. So when we know our own bodies, which like we kind of have that gut instinct already, yeah. but when we actually know how our bodies work, cause we're so dependent on doctors, like, mm -hmm. oh, well the doctor said I'm fine, so yes. I'm fine. Or the doctor, yes. you know, which is, yeah, doctors aren't trying to purposely lie to us, but yeah. they don't know each and every single one of us individually. Yeah. So by knowing this information and going to the doctor, you can immediately kind of have like your own instinct yeah, of I know yeah. something's off. And I felt like really, like, I mean, in the first case, of course it was sad because I was like, oh, something actually is wrong yeah. and they're trying to reassure me. Yeah. But with 
even still I felt empowered like I feel like something's wrong and so now I know to like what to expect because I wasn't getting that from them right and then in this case with the current baby I like was excited I was like oh they're kind of worried but I'm not because I know the baby is exactly where I should be Mm. so we're all good wow okay that's really helpful yeah geez I didn't know getting pregnant was so complicated (laughs) So one thing too is that like a lot of people end up doing fertility treatments because they like don't realize that they're mistiming it. And so like they're mistiming sex or their ovulation mm-hmm. is happening differently than what they thought, right? Like based on like the average woman. Yeah. And so like I think the statistic is like 60 to 60 so percentage of people who end up doing fertility treatments who are told there's nothing wrong but they still can't get pregnant so they end up doing fertility treatments. Mm actually don't need to be doing fertility treatments because nothing's actually wrong so it could be due to mistiming (gasps) yeah and it's expensive and it's like really emotional because like you're putting your body and yourself and your spouse or partner through all of that yeah and it's like really medical and like a lot of doctor's appointments and it's just like an experience that is I'm sure really hard to go through right some people are not needing to go through it yeah, because there's definitely some people who maybe that is the right option. Oh, yeah, totally. But for some people who are doing it, and it might not even have to be an option for yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. I had a gynecologist told tell me that a lot of women are doing <laughs> a lot of women are doing um, infertility treatment because they're not having sex with their husbands. Oh yeah, Isn't that crazy. Yeah. She gave me a percentage, but I forget now. But it was pretty high. That? that was crazy. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, oh wow, that's yeah, sad. that's like a whole other issue. I know. Yeah. I was like, oh shit, because um, you gotta have sex to have a baby, you know. Yeah. Well, at least I mean, not with IVF, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for someone who has PCOS, um, which I guess I don't have anymore. When I did blood work this year, and I guess I don't have it anymore, which Good. is great. But yeah. I used to have it. Yeah. Um, and my periods were irregular. I had to take birth control to even have a period. I had really bad acne, the whole thing. Um, but for women who do have PCOS, how is there? How does this change for them, if at all? Yeah. So PCOS is like you said, like longer cycles, or like not having no idea when your period's gonna come because it could be like months in between, or like. It's like unpredictable. Um, And then what your body is trying to do is there's like multiple attempts at ovulation. So like you go through all the symptoms and then you don't ovulate and then you go through all the symptoms Mm -hmm. and you don't ovulate. And so um, for one thing, like PCOS is a hormonal imbalance. And so um, for some people just making like modifications to their diet or lifestyle or just their health in general Mm -hmm. can help shorten their cycles Mm. or like make them more regular or predictable Mm. and so that's one thing about the um knowing your cycle is you when you make a change to say you're like you're exercising more eating healthier um balancing your hormones that way yeah you'll be able to see those changes affect your period cycle Mm. and so it's like something tangible that you can see how it actually is helping okay and so for some people they only need to make those changes and just be consistent with them to have like a regular cycle in just a few months Mm. and then it can be like reversed and so it is something that could you could just go back to having a regular cycle if you make some changes and then have the cycle that we talked about yeah but if nothing's changing and you are having those longer cycles and multiple attempts at ovulation, doing all the same things are actually still just as helpful because mm-hmm. you're just going to still like wake up every morning, take your temperature, check for the symptoms like the cervical mucus or some of the other symptoms. Like maybe um, if you're 
can tell like crampy or whatever other symptoms you might notice for yourself before you ovulate, if you still keep track of all of those, eventually you're going to ovulate. And so eventually Mm. you'll see your temperature go up. It may be like after a few months, but you might, if you're like learning to keep track of those things, it won't just be like a random thing that happens. You'll start to see there is more of a pattern that it does happen eventually. So, so it could be, but then you'd be having sex for like every day. Well, you may not be having the estrogen rising all the time though. Oh, okay. I see. I yeah. See. Okay. So you might start to see like, okay, the estrogen's rising and I see this These mucus symptoms. being produced yeah. and then I'm still taking my temperature. And so that would be a good time to start trying or preventing whatever you're using it for. Mm-hmm. And then when your temperature does rise and stay up, like to going from like 97.2 to like 97.7 and then it stays high like that, Mm. then you know you did ovulate. And so for some people, if they're not even using it to get pregnant, just to know they ovulated, know, like can help them see that it's actually a healthy cycle. Okay. And helps them see that they are ovulating. Okay. So that it is possible for them to still get pregnant. Oh, that's good to know. Okay. So there's still hope. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still a method that could be used even if you feel like you have irregular cycles. It doesn't have to be a totally regular, predictable cycle for this um, method to work. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So that's good to know Mm because I think a lot of people, that's another kind of myth is like, oh, if you have PCOS, you can't get pregnant. Um, And then already you feel shut down. Or like this method wouldn't work for them. Right. But it does. As long as you're still just consistent with it. Because it's, it, our body, this is how our body works. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you're just educated on how your body works, mm-hmm. it, it, like, I don't know. I just feel like, how does, oh wait, I have a side question. How does, I'm so curious about this. Like the whole moon and, um. Oh, like. Yeah, like the cycles. Yeah, does I that affect the cycles? I don't know. There okay. is on the Fertility Friday podcast. There is a couple episodes on it. Okay, that they talk about it. If yeah, I'm curious to about learn. that because I'm kind of into like how the world, like yeah, the earth. Yeah, you should listen to it. I would yeah. be the best person to talk about it. But okay, there are people that talk about it on that podcast. Okay, good to know. Um, okay, so the other thing I want to get to is um, kind of your personal story. So Katie had um, had a miscarriage last year after like trying for a year with her husband and um just kind of want you to share that and obviously just share as much as you want to share but um I know that that is something that a lot of women are struggling with is dealing with miscarriages um so I think it would be helpful for people to kind of hear what that was like for you guys and just I don't know like a vulnerable little little snippet of that yeah yeah um so for us we had been like actively trying when we actually got pregnant, it had been, I think, like, seven or eight months the first time um, of trying, and so, like, we were so excited to be pregnant, and I was like, oh, mm. nothing's wrong, like, we actually can get pregnant, like, mm. and just, that was a relief, and... Because there was a lot of stress leading up, because Katie yes. and I are friends, so... Yes, the, there's a lot of stress. Yeah, the and month that was of, not helping. Yeah, yeah, you were working a lot, yeah. um, but there was a lot of, and I don't want to speak for you... Um, but I could tell there's like a lot of shame and like, yeah. why can't I do this? Yeah. Um, which I think a lot of women experience because oh, like yeah. me, I think, oh, yeah. have sex, you get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when that's not happening, mm-hmm. there's like so much shame of, am I doing something wrong? Yeah. So that was kind of what was happening the seven months yeah. up to. Yeah. And just seeing like close friends or other people get pregnant mm-hmm. easily or from what I thought was easily. I mean, you don't know everyone's story either, right. but um, just like seeing that happen all around me and like wanting that so bad and yeah. thinking like, like we talked about in the beginning, like we're, aren't we doing it right? Yeah. Like it's not what we're supposed to do and like right. we're doing that and it's not happening. Yeah. And, um, also I, I was like coming up to turning 30. So I just felt like kind of that pressure mm-hmm. from, I don't know where that comes Which from. Which is a real pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Which, it's like, 
I don't know. You don't have to have a baby at 30, right? What's right. that window? Technically, you could have a baby at 40. What, yeah. Didn't we talk oh, about yeah, that? Yeah. Totally, you can. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the chances, I think, like, from what the research shows, like, after age 35, it goes down a little bit, but it's not like a super significant amount. Okay. But I don't know. I just had put that pressure on myself yeah. of like, I want to be pregnant by the time I'm 30. Uh-huh. We'd been married. We'd only been married for a year, but we had decided like around the year mark, we would start trying. Mm-hmm. And so because it was like coming up to like almost be married for two years and I was like, mm. our next anniversary is going to come up and we're still mm. not going to be pregnant. Yeah. And so I just had a lot of that pressure on myself. And mm. like you said, I was super stressed for my job. It's like a really bad time to start trying to get pregnant because I was working <laughs> two jobs and like mm. working so much and uh, it was terrible. Yeah. And so I kind of did it to myself, but Anyway, when we finally did get pregnant, that's when, like, the month I started using, like, the temperature method. Mm. And so I had known I'd ovulated. I'd known we had timed it right. And then it worked, and we got pregnant. And so mm. I was just so happy and, like, felt so confirmed in what we were doing. And um, we started telling our families and everything. How far along were you? Um, so when we started telling our families, we were, weren't going to tell friends really yet, but we were just going to tell our parents and our siblings. And we were about, like, six or seven weeks. Okay. And then I started having some spotting. Mm. And so I had talked to my doctor um, and she said, that's normal. That's mm. fine. Like just come in for an ultrasound in like a week within like either this week or next week. Mm. And so I wasn't super like worried about it since she had said it was fine. And is that normal? Apparently it can be. For okay. me, it wasn't. For okay. me, it was a miscarriage. But for some people, it's normal. OK. And so um, I wasn't super worried about it. I just like picked a day where I was like, well, I'm I need to be off work and need, I was actually going on a trip to London like mm. right the next week so I had like a few days open that they could schedule me in but then they were super busy so mm. you know it's like well that's fine just whenever you can get me in before I leave for my trip and still having the spotting mm. so the, by the time I got to the office I had been spotting for a week mm. and that's when the ultrasound did show the baby wasn't growing and it was only mm. about six and a half weeks along so that's probably when like the miscarriage or like the baby had died it's about mm. six and a half weeks but at that point I was almost eight weeks and so oh wow yeah so and I just didn't know that was like what was happening right and looking back like now that I've had like a pregnancy where the baby is doing fine like there's so many more symptoms that I've had this pregnancy that I never had the mm. first that now I know to look out for I guess yeah. um and that we're kind of reassuring this pregnancy like knowing things were okay what were those symptoms um just feeling sick okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> feeling really sick and having like um just no energy like not wanting to eat things like that and yeah. I never had that and okay. I was like oh I'm gonna have a great pregnancy I yeah. don't feel sick at all mm. so anyway um I had that that ultrasound and I've been really frustrated because they didn't come out and even tell me that they thought I was having a miscarriage mm. and so for my husband who like isn't a medical person and is just hearing what they're saying yeah it's like okay things are good cool we'll come back next week for our next ultrasound and in the meantime I was gonna be going to London like with my family by myself and I yeah. was like I'm gonna have a miscarriage in London like that's what I got out of this appointment because I kind of could oh, understand wow. more about so what was going on okay. yeah and so I was like really sad and frustrated because he didn't even hear them say that yeah and I had to be the one to tell him that and like that's like the night before I'm leaving for my trip and I just didn't know like what to do mm. and felt like totally unprepared for what was going to happen because they never prepared me for it. Yeah. And so um, the miscarriage did end up happening <clears throat> in London. Mm. And um, thankfully I was like with my parents, so that helped because like yeah. just having like 
I wasn't by myself. It was yeah. sad not having Mark there, but not ha- or having my parents was really helpful. Yeah. And just having family nearby. But I came home right away and um, like didn't know what to do. I was like, I'm having all these symptoms mm. of like I'm bleeding a lot and like feeling really sick. I'm feeling really dizzy. Mm. And it was a weekend. So I just like didn't know what to do. And I'm again like a nurse and I don't know what to do yeah. in that situation because yeah. like I just doesn't get talked about and I don't like feel didn't feel prepared for it and Mm -hmm. like just felt kind of like let down by my doctor's office who didn't even like address that situation at the office that it could even be a possibility Mm -hmm. when they knew I was going out of the country and they knew like Mm -hmm. things were not looking good so anyway I was like sad and frustrated and just unsure of like what needed to be done and I had known that like the baby had already like passed and come out of my body because I could see it um but for some people like they do they don't pass the baby and they have to have like a procedure done to just make sure everything's gone Mm. so I did have an ultrasound just to make sure everything was out and everything was and so it looked good which that was I guess like a blessing and all this that I didn't have to have like an extra procedure done yeah but at that point like it's really sad seeing like the week before <clears throat> you go have an ultrasound you see your baby then the next week you go and like there's nothing like completely mm. empty so that was like more of a shocking like oh wow this actually really did happen okay mm. and I found myself like not really knowing like I'm kind of more of a private person I would say like I wouldn't really like think I would want to talk about this kind of stuff yeah as it was going on but I found myself like wanting everyone, I need to talk to everyone. Like Mm. I needed all my friends to know, even the friends that didn't even know I was pregnant. I needed like, I needed to talk to people about it. Mm. And, um, I wanted to like know other people who had had miscarriages. I wanted to hear other stories about it because it felt so lonely feeling like I was the only person who had gone through this that Mm. I knew of. And of course I know it happens. Like it's, it's common for pregnancies to end that early. Mm. Um, like before the first trimester or especially like only between like six and eight weeks, it's really common. Mm. And so to me, I'm like, I know it's common, but why don't I know anyone that's had this happen? Why have I never heard it talked about before? And I do think like I took it a lot harder than from what I can tell, like other people who have talked about it with me and they seem not too phased by it. And that would kind Mm. of make me feel like, oh, is this not supposed to be that big of a deal? Mm. And so just finding people I could talk to about it that was like okay to feel however I wanted to feel about it was really helpful yeah um because it was something we'd wanted so badly and then that was just like gone and then feeling like oh my gosh we have to start this process up again like another six or eight months before we get pregnant again and just feeling like so overwhelmed by like that um yeah so that was the best way for me to cope with it I guess was just talking to friends that would just be there with me and, um, make me feel like it's okay to feel however I wanted to feel about it. And then just like, even I would listen to podcasts about people who had like had miscarriages. I would like search through different like birth stories and things like that. And people talking and processing that was helpful. Why do you think people, I mean, obviously it's people don't go around and talk about their like trauma or bad things that have they've experienced but why do you think there isn't a lot of like even when your doctors didn't really like why is there like it is kind of more so common than we think Mm -hmm. why is this not like talked about I don't know I mean I was kind of getting the impression that people like the doctor's office and maybe a couple of the people I talked to had had miscarriages that just made it 
feel like it wasn't that big of a deal. Like it's common. It's like just a medical thing that happens and kind of just like brushing it off that way of like, it's not a big deal. Like maybe just don't be so emotional about it. Like that kind of feeling. So it's like, oh, okay. Like you are not the people I'm going to talk to about this because I was really, really sad and I'm still sad. Like it's still sad that we had a baby and that we lost a baby. Yeah even though like we have another baby like it's still like a it's a happy ending but we still lost a baby right and so it doesn't mean like I feel like I'm over it by any means um I just had like a lot more emotions and I think people were like Mm. ready to process with me like especially like at the doctor's office they don't like because you said it was about six weeks in or eight weeks yeah it it was like eight weeks when actually like started bleeding and like it actually like passed okay but I think the baby had stopped growing about six weeks in six and a half or so okay so do medical doctor or medical doctor doctors not consider it a baby at that point is that why they see it like that yeah um because to me it's like you still had something in you that was growing Mm -hmm. that died like that's traumatic to me like I would be bawling my eyes out yeah so your emotions to me are completely justified so I'm trying to understand from a doctor's perspective like oh it doesn't have eyeballs yet so technically Mm -hmm. it's not like yeah you know I never had them like say that like outright to me about that way yeah but it did kind of feel that way like well it's just it's a thing that happens it's just yeah the good thing is that like it's over and you can oh, try gosh. again like that oh, kind gosh. of thing so it never felt like validated that like it's okay to be sad yeah. or this is really sad do we know why this happens like do you know why um, it happened there's like a few reasons I think um like the most common is a chromosomal defect okay. and so like the baby the chromosomes are not in place and so the baby never would have kept growing because at some point it's just like not able to be alive anymore because of the chromosomes and so it's just a defect yeah and um in my case they wouldn't be able to figure that out because they would only know that if they were able to like test the baby the tissue okay um and they weren't able to do that of course in my case yeah it's obviously not here when that happened so yeah yeah so I mean I wasn't too concerned I guess about like why it happened I just like didn't want it to happen again yeah and so like immediately like right after it happened I was like okay what's my plan like what are we gonna do to like get pregnant again or like make sure this doesn't happen again like that was like my initial like coping mechanism with mm-hmm. it and then as it like settled more I was like oh yeah this is actually like really sad and really hard and I don't want to think yeah. about getting pregnant again so I kind of went through both like ups and downs yeah like by the time because that had happened in March and so by the time our like I'd had another period again and we we're like kind of getting ready to start thinking like should we try again this month mm. I was really sad and I was like I don't actually think I want to start trying again to like this early because yeah. it feels like like what about the baby we just had yeah. like it feels like we're not like even remembering that baby mm. ever happened so like we're just skipping over it yeah yeah so I don't know that was like the first month and a half after I felt that way and as long as I just kept like acknowledging that like it had happened, I'd had a baby, that like that baby was like alive at some point yeah. and it actually like, mattered, then I felt like I was more ready to start trying again. Mm. And then we 
did like that first month got pregnant again which is like a huge blessing for us because I was dreading like the next six or eight months of yeah trying again yeah yeah and then like when you found out you were pregnant was there mm-hmm. kind of that like fear of like oh is this gonna happen again or did you feel more um, confident there was but like I said I was also like feeling really sick oh, and okay. the sickness was like a reassurance to me that everything was okay okay so because it is due to hormones that you feel that way and yeah. so I was like okay all the hormones are good and like mm. I'm feeling really sick okay and like so that's another it way to makes me feel like even though it's horrible I hate feeling this way it feels like the baby's okay okay so okay so I don't think a lot of women know that that like if yeah. they're feeling sick then that's yeah. like a good thing yeah and, but okay. it's also not to say that if you don't feel sick that things are not good because oh, okay yeah <laughs> don't feel sick and that's great because then they have a great pregnancy but yeah. um for me it was just a reassuring thing that like, I was this like is happy. different yeah okay. I think most people do have some sort of nausea or morning sickness like yeah. statistically but for the people that don't and have a great pregnancy that's great too yeah okay so it's I just, just I think if that had been me in the first trimester I would have been like more worried about mm. what's going on with the baby mm. so yeah I mean it was miserable but yeah it was good in the long run yeah so how yeah. are you and Mark today now that you're pregnant and um, you know still grieving yeah um I don't know it's like definitely feel like it's easier to move on Mm -hmm. now that we have like another baby to think about Mm -hmm. and like that's coming in in February and Mm -hmm. like we have to actually like get ready for and so I do find I'm not as like focused on the miscarriage um but yeah I mean I do still think about it here and there and like not so much out of fear for this baby but just like oh like this baby would have been born the first baby would have been born in October and I would have been this far along and then like Mm. seeing other people who are having their baby in October thinking like I would be almost having a baby right now like that's can be hard to think about but yeah it doesn't make me any less thankful for the current baby that I'm pregnant with but it's just yeah it's just I don't know hard to think of like what would have been yeah and because a baby after a miscarriage is called like a rainbow baby and so I haven't really bought much stuff at all actually for the baby this time except for I bought a little like baby sweatshirt that has a rainbow on it that's really cute it's like this will be like the significance of like the first thing I bought and something that helps us remember the baby before so yeah so when I got that in the mail I like cried (laughs) and and it's like okay like I feel good about having this because it helps us like remember like this isn't our first baby, but we're thankful for both. Yeah. So. Oh, wait, I love yeah. that. That's yeah. That's really sweet. Well, thanks for sharing yeah. that. I know that, that that just happened. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like years later. Yeah. So I know that you guys are still grieving and still yeah. going through that. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and just being friends with you guys, like riding that wave with you guys mm-hmm. like I'm so happy that you're like I don't like babies and I get really sad when my <laughs> friends get pregnant because I'm like no no more like late I night know. happy hour but um or I guess happy hour is not late night but you know what I mean <laughs> um but knowing like just the the journey that you guys have been on yeah. we Eric and I are both like so genuinely excited I was at a baby store yesterday what day was it a couple days ago and I know Aww. the gender yet but I was like I want to get something oh, you cute. know like so excited um 
but like the reality is, is like this is a really hard prof- process for like a lot yeah. of like not just wit like couples like it was mm-hmm. hard for Mark too yeah. um mm-hmm. and so it's like hearing all my friends like kind of go through this like miscarriages or not getting pregnant and things like that and so I'm happy mm-hmm. to have you like share not just the education but your story yeah because um, as we kind of enter into this phase of life of now we're married and now we're talking about babies it's like really helpful for people to first of all not feel so much shame yeah um that something's wrong with them mm-hmm. to know about their bodies and to also know that if a miscarriage is happening for you that it's like it's okay to be sad mm-hmm. it's okay to spend time grieving that yeah um, also know that it is normal that like a lot of women do have that that you're not alone yeah um but and you know there's like so many like support groups and things like that mm-hmm. for that but um yeah, yeah. and yeah I want to say thank you to you guys too for being our friends through yeah. all that and it was just so helpful to me and I think to Mark too to have friends that yeah. knew what was going on and I don't think he was sharing it as much as I was because I was more of like all my close friends like yeah. I need to tell make sure people know like the friends in my life that this happened and so because he didn't share it with as many people like knowing that you guys knew Mm. that like from both of us like it was like really helpful to have like couple friends like go through it with us yeah and yeah so if other people who are going through it have or have friends that are going through it like I would really encourage people just to like reach out and just kind of check in with their friends Mm -hmm. like hey where are you at with this if it's not hard then great like I'm happy that it's not hard for you right and that you're kind of like past that point but like if you're still grieving like just be there for them Mm. or if that's you that's still grieving like reach out to your friends because they may not know that you're grieving yeah and so like reach out to them and tell them I'm still having a hard time with this like right you can I talk to you about this Mm. even if they're not someone who's gone through it before like most of my friends hadn't but still knowing people Mm. were there to talk to is really helpful for me yeah that's really good yeah Yeah, just because it's over doesn't mean it's like emotionally over Yeah. yeah yeah Last thing before you go, um, resources. So I know that you mentioned the podcast, the book. Is there any other resources for women that are trying to get, you know, more information about this? The, the I call it FAM, yeah. but the fertility awareness method. Um, yeah. Anything that you can provide. I'll just mention those two again so I can give you like the author's names too. So okay. the f- book um, is called Taking Charge of Your Fertility and it's by a woman named Tony Weschler. Okay. And you can just find it on Amazon, I'm sure. It's a popular one. And then the other one is The Fifth Vital Sign. That's a book by the lady who does the podcast. And her name is um, Lisa Hendricks- Hendrickson-Jack mm. and her podcast is Fertility Friday. And then on her podcast is like tons of um, resources that she uses to compose her podcast. So her visitors that she has on is that what you call them? Special guests. Guests that she has on. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then she links to like all of their um, websites and all that. So I would say go there. Um, Also, like we talked about if you are taking your temperature and being able to chart it and keeping track of like your symptoms that you're personally having, Mm. having an app that you use is really helpful. So not to predict your ovulation, but just to keep track of what's going on with your body. Um, So the app that I use is called the Kindara app. I think K-I-N-D-A-R-A. Okay. And it's like a graph. So you just like every morning if you're um, taking your temperature, you just graph it on there. And you can also document all the other signs that you're noticing. And so you can start to see patterns or... Oh yeah, that was the one that was like, what does your discharge look like? Yeah. Exactly. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you can get past that, if you pass the words that they use to describe your discharge, then yeah. it's a good app to use. Okay. And just helps you see like the graph of like where your temperatures are at. Um, and then yeah, just looking up the fertility awareness method online. I'm sure there's some great um, websites on that too, but that's what the method is called. Okay. Yeah. And um, are you going to be teaching anywhere or doing little? 
not educational. I, mean, I would love to, but probably like after the baby comes and kind of get settled and stuff. Because okay. I'm still, I have a couple months left of my master's degree, so I need to finish that up, and then the baby will come, and then once I get situated, situated to mom life, I guess. Yeah. That's something that's the next goal. Okay, because you yeah. you do a great job explaining things. Oh, thank you. So, um, okay. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. And thanks everyone for listening. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at No But Really Podcast and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to make sure you capture the next episode.